Coming up in this episode, I discuss how a well-known free ebook platform shared my novella to its audience and the equally unexpected results. And I review the outcome of my free ebook promotion on Kobo. Welcome to Amelia's Behind the Scenes Author Diary, an exclusive look at the behind the scenes misadventures of a 30-something mystery author. Discover how close she is to releasing her latest novel, hear exciting details about upcoming writing projects, and discover the lessons she has learned along her writing journey so you don't have to make the same mistakes. You can find the episode show notes and lots more information at authorpreneurpodcast.com forward slash podcast. Hello writers, July was full of surprises. A well-known ebook platform shared my novella to its audience and I'm going to share the results of this with you. While we're on the topic of book marketing, I will also discuss the outcome of my free ebook promotion on Kobo. After careful deliberation, I took steps to self-publish my reader magnet on all stores and I talk about the reasoning behind this decision. As I was publishing my mystery short story, I had a ton of pricing issues with Apple. The word nightmare is an understatement. Now on to the writing related news. In terms of writing, I had an epiphany thanks to a YouTube video that led me to make progress with writing Duplicity, which is book two in the James Alon series. And I started working on the story idea for book three. So stay tuned for all of this and much more. Just to let you know, this episode was recorded on Tuesday the 8th of December, so this show is me primarily looking back at July. In the same spirit as the previous episode, there is a backlog with the show due to the lockdown that we're all facing. After a while, I've managed to figure out how to work at home with my husband and do most of the things I would typically achieve. If you're on YouTube, you'll notice that I've gone back to an audio-only version of the podcast. I had to pull the plug on the video podcast episode because I couldn't do everything and something had to go. Throughout this episode, I will be referencing tools and services that I've used. If you're interested in reading the transcript or would like links to anything that I've mentioned in the show, then check out the very long blog post or edited transcript at authorpreneurpodcast.com forward slash BTS034. And if you're new to this podcast, then I want to say a huge thank you for stopping by and trying out my show. To those of you who have been faithfully listening, thank you for regularly listening in and supporting me. Your support means more to me than you know. one more thing I would just like to make a quick apology for all of the background noise that's occurring and just in case you're thinking what background noise and I've somehow managed to eliminate it there's a main road that's always there but this time I have the bo- a bonus clothes dryer sort of humming away in the background and my dishwasher's on chef mode so it's super noisy when it's on chef mode so once again I just want to apologize and I've really tried to do as much as humanly possible to make the background area of my recording as quiet as possible but there are just things that are beyond my control so I just thought I'd mention it and say sorry. (music) 
something unexpected happened to me this month and it's of the good variety. My book was listed for free everywhere except for Amazon. The reason why I didn't change it is, if I'm honest, I couldn't be bothered to send Amazon an email and sort of wait and sort of cross my fingers. I just thought I'll just advertise it free everywhere else except for Amazon. Freebooksy added my book to a curated list of seven mysteries with surprise endings on the 2nd of July and shared it to its Facebook page. Over on Amazon, before Freebooksy shared my book, it curated a one-click buy list on Amazon. As a step into creating this one-click buy list, they must have asked Amazon to price match my book with Kobo and a few other stores. The unexpected promotion resulted in 862 downloads in one day on the Amazon store. And that one-click list was only available just for the day. To be honest, I had no idea you could create these one-click buy lists. And there's a part of me that's considering doing this with my own list to say, oh, here are the books that I like or books that are similar to mine and creating a list. But I suspect that will mean I'll have to wait for all the books to be free. I'm guessing they know about my book because I recently purchased a Bargain Booksy promo and provided links to my books. And at the time I applied for the Bargain Booksy promo, my book was free on Apple, Kobo, Google Play and through Draft2Digital to all of the places that they distribute ebooks to. But I was applying for a Bargain Booksy promotion in the future where my book would be priced at 99 cents. It wasn't, I wasn't doing a Bargain Booksy for a free book. It was just in the future and it happened at the time I applied, my books were free, so they must have seen it. And for those of you who don't know, because I realised I didn't actually point this out earlier on in this segment, Written Word Media own both Bargain Booksy and Free Booksy. So when you go and apply, if you haven't applied for a Bargain Booksy and a Free Booksy, the place where you go is Written Word Media and you use the same dashboard to apply for these and a whole bunch of other promotional things through written word media but I've only ever used and paid for a bargain booksy technically this isn't I didn't get a free booksy promotion they just shared it to their Facebook page and their Facebook page have quite a huge audience and I think this is why it resulted in the 862 downloads and it was a part of a list of a bunch of other authors where perhaps people were just saying oh I really want this book it may not have been mine but they downloaded mine as well but back to the free booksy one-click list. As a result of this, Missing reached the number six position in the top 100 free charts for the international mystery and crime category and the private investigator mysteries category in the US store. And Missing is was at the 181 position in the top free Kindle store in the US and that was only for this day. Even though I didn't make it to the top 100, I'm super happy with the results. And naturally, I am hoping for a few extra, hopefully positive reviews, fingers crossed, as a result of this promotion. Running from the 1st of July to the 5th of July, the free ebook promotion resulted in 119 downloads. Missing started off at the 1,955 position in the Mystery and Suspense International category and ended up at the 263rd position in the same category on the 8th of July. For those of you who are curious, I've added a screenshot of my book's position on Kobo to the blog post over on my website. The link to the blog post is in the show notes 
notes in your favorite podcasting app. And again, I've just actually, I've just realized that I failed to mention that this store position of starting off in the 1955 position and ending at position 263 in the Mystery and Suspense International category is actually in the UK store. And I've, I didn't actually check it in the US store or the Canadian store, which are bigger stores than the UK store. So I just used where my Kobo store defaults to, which is my location, which is the United Kingdom. I think in the future episodes, I will try to remember to get my position in the biggest stores, just so you can see. Once again, I'm hoping for more reviews for Missing on Kobo before the upcoming release of Off Duplicity. At the end of July, Missing has nine ratings on Kobo. While searching on Google, possibly for something related to mindset for writers, I came across a video that gave me an epiphany and it couldn't have come at a better time. It was simple. Work without lust for results. This simplistic epiphany was courtesy of Austin Hackney. And from this video, I realized that I needed to work on the scene in front of me and take my eyes off the grander goals that come with publishing. And I'm talking from everything from publishing on the various e-retail to I guess the more loftier goals like writing for TV, awards and other accolades that we all sort of daydream about as we write books. Austin went on to point out that perfectionism is dangerous and unnatural but don't take my word for it. Check out the embedded video on the blog post. The link to the blog post is in the show notes in your favorite podcasting app. July, I struggled to decide whether to write the next James Lon book and the rest of the series. What prompted me to consider abandoning writing the series is a few mean-spirited comments in reviews which brought on a moment of despair. Before rushing into that decision, I decided to create a book review spreadsheet. In this spreadsheet, I recorded the book reviews for Missing across all platforms, including Goodreads. My first step after recording all the reviews was to eliminate the duplicate reviews. When I say duplicate reviews, I'm talking about reviewers who left the same review on Amazon and Goodreads. Unfortunately, I can only do this with written reviews and not star ratings. After taking a step back and assessing the data, I discovered that 74% out of a total of 34 reviewers gave my book a greater rating than three stars. So 25 readers love my book enough to leave a positive review. I know this is probably a cultural thing, but I consider a three star rating as an I like at review and a two star rating as meh it was okay. Nine reviewers were either indifferent or didn't like my book. I received five two-star and four one-star reviews. These nine reviews relate to the first edition of my novella and did highlight a issue with one of the plot lines not being resolved and I found this quite helpful in creating my second edition which hopefully I've found all of the plot holes and fixed them. It's worth mentioning that I received five two and three-star reviews on Goodreads. And I think paying attention to these contributed to my mindset issues because I was actually paying attention to these above all the other reviews that I had received. Once again, I was paying too much attention to the reviews. Like I had this one comment that was sort of, it was something along the lines of second rate at best, like just horrible comments like that instead of looking at the 
two-star reviews that actually gave, you know, a little bit of substance as to why they didn't like it. And just for the sake of clarity, I never reply to these mean-spirited comments on Goodreads or I haven't actually had any on Amazon. It's just more Goodreads for some reason. So I'm obviously not commenting on these because it's just not professional and I don't want to scare my readers out of leaving reviews. After this, I checked out MailerLite and I noticed that I received 27 extra subscriptions for my reader magnet. 11 of those are from the back of the book. At the start of July, I started tracking the back of the book opt-ins by providing a different book funnel link that populates a source field in MailerLite. Technically, I do have a sign-up page at the front of the ebook, but all e-retailers open the book from the start of chapter one or the prologue if you have one. No one sees that link unless you deliberately skip back. The other 16 signups to my reader magnet, which is a short story called The Lawn, either clicked a link from my offer on my Facebook page or via my author website. And all of this is good news. I'm definitely giving too much airtime to a minority of people who are clearly not my audience. And I think that's key is that you write for the people who want to read the next book and you don't write for those people who don't like your book for obvious reasons even though this even though as I'm saying this out loud it's very obvious when you have published something and you're looking at the feedback it's hard to take it's different feedback than the feedback you get with editing because when I submit a book to an editor or a beta reader I know I'm asking for criticism and I can take that and I'm quite happy to take that because I'm asking for it whereas with book reviews it seems to be something that I really struggle in like when I read my reviews if I pay too much attention to my reviews I um I tend to focus on the negative ones and it takes me a long time to get over it too long it's almost embarrassing it usually takes me like three or four days and even though I'm creating this spreadsheet it is helping to a certain degree it helped me realize that yes there are people that like my book and people who want to read the next one and actually said so in the review so there are people that want to read the next book therefore for I should write the next book. But in saying this, as I'm filling out the spreadsheet, if I have to fill out the spreadsheet where I've gotten another two-star review, well, it's not really a review. Like if I get like a two-star rating on Amazon or Kobo or Apple, it, it I really get quite sad about it. And I take it, not, pers- not personally, but I seem to value that two-star review over the eight-paragraph five-star review where the person's raving about my book. For some reason, I don't value praise whereas I value a mean comment and that's obviously possibly linked to my mindset and where my mind is at at the moment. If you've heard something in this episode that was helpful to you and you'd like to support the show, then buy me a coffee for as little as one pound at buymeacoffee.com forward slash author A.D. Hay. In July, I decided to publish my short story, The Lawn, on Amazon, Apple, Google Play, Kobo and Barnes & Noble. But first, I commissioned a line edit and proofread. Before publishing, I spent five days devoted to revision, line editing and self-publishing, or more accurately, a total of 19 hours and 45 minutes. I'm going to sell this story wide to encourage those readers who don't want to sign up to my email list to start reading my series for a low price 
and time investment. It's serving as another point of entry into my mystery series. While preparing while preparing my short story for publication, I considered self-narrating the audiobook. The idea is it will be free to my list and people who sign up to my Thriller Novel Nerd podcast, which is temporarily on hiatus. At the same time, I'm thinking about releasing this on my Thriller Novel podcast on a per chapter basis, letting my listeners know they can get the full audiobook by signing up to my list, and if not, they can just wait for the next week to listen to the next chapter. On the 22nd of July, I started uploading The Lawn to Apple Books when I came across a surprising issue. I emailed customer service several times between the 22nd of July and the 24th of July, and I spent sent a tweet in hopes of finding someone to help me. For some reason, I could not change the price above 99 cents or 49 euro cents. There were only two tiers, free and tier one. That's in the rights and pricing section in iTunes Connect. At the peak of my frustration, after several emails with Apple customer service, I end up uploading a second copy of The Lawn through iTunes producer. I uploaded the first copy through authors.apple.com and that might be why I have a problem. Maybe there is something broken with that upload page. I'm not 100% sure what I've done wrong. Apple customer service do make Amazon appear as if they roll out the red carpet. Not a single agent has actually gone into the book and had a look. They simply gave me steps I could find in the help section. Even though I said that and tried though the online options, it's almost as if the Apple customer service operators don't know their own product. I guess in the age of tech companies outsourcing help to huge call centers, I'm getting the impression that these call center operators get no training whatsoever because I've gone back in since then, now that it's been a few months since this has happened, and I've seen what's actually wrong. And there's two levels of pricing. And when you upload a book to Apple via the authors.apple.com, you only see one price and it's very confusing as to what you need to put in there and it's it's just complicated so if you do have a mac i highly recommend using the itunes producer even though it's a little archaic but it works really well instead of this new thing that they have online which i think is purely for pc users so if you have an apple stick to using itunes producer because it's so much it is easier and there's less things that can go wrong In July, I did 27 hours and 45 minutes of rewriting time spread across nine days. On these days, I wrote and revised the reunion dinner scene where each character interacts with the victim before they are murdered. And I do feel like this scene is actually a really important scene for the reader to experience before the victim is murdered. A reader really does need to see all the suspects interact with the victim before they know their suspects so that when and James comes along and interviews these characters that they're, they have something to look back on. They've had a little bit of experience with these characters, not as much as maybe James has had, but I sort of feel like it's evened the playing field and the reader will be able to solve the crimes alongside James. Before I wrote the prologue scenes, I realised that I needed to do a lot of research. If this was a first draft, I would have just written the scene purely from my imagination, knowing that I would need to rewrite it later. But 
I no longer have the luxury of fast drafting. To write the scene, I needed to research medieval monasteries, monks and religious manuscripts. At the end of that productive research session, I named the manuscripts. The religious manuscript is based on a real commentary on Daniel by St. Jerome, but I decided that this particular copy was a special illuminated edition with initiums. It was ordered by a wealthy member of the community and the monks made it especially for him. On top of that, I found a real life monastery that burned down in the late 12th century and that monastery was Glastonbury Abbey. For those of you who are curious, it was burnt down in May 1184 and subsequently rebuilt and was later disbanded by Henry VIII during the Reformation when all of the monastery's assets were handed over to the crown. At the time, Glastonbury Abbey had had a beautiful library which is now lost thanks to the fire and the reformation. Unfortunately due to the pandemic I was unable to visit the Glastonbury Abbey ruins and I missed out again when it reopened because I was a little too scared to go outside but you can visit this historic site. Over on the blog post and in the show notes I'll leave a link to the Abbey's website so you can check it out. As a part of the research I watched a few clips from the TV series In the Name of the Rose which is based on a book by a Umberto Echo to help me get the description of the inside of the monastery's interior because unfortunately a lot of monasteries in the UK were destroyed and I don't have that to look back on anymore so I used the interior of the monastery that they filmed in and I have a funny feeling it was somewhere in Europe possibly France. Due to the addition of the prologue and reunion dinner scene to the story, the original chapter-by-chapter chapter flow didn't make sense. The story originally opened with the crime in progress, then circled back to the events that took place two hours earlier. But with the prologue, it seems like too much jumping around. Upon further reflection, I decided to move the scenes around so that my original chapter one is now chapter four, and chapters two and three are now one and two. Hopefully that'll make sense. Here are a few blog posts and tools that I use to write and revise this month. The first blog post is it's called 75 words that describe smells and it's by writers write and it's a blog from a couple of writers who are from South Africa. The second blog post is 106 ways to describe sounds and that's also written by writers write. Blog post number three is cheat sheets for body language and that's by writers write and the fourth one is the emotion thesaurus and I've sort of realized that I've used this as a crutch. A link to these blog posts and books can be found in the show notes in your favorite podcasting app. On Monday the 27th of July I decided that it would be best to start fleshing out the very brief idea I had for the third book in the James Alon series. Back in February I decided to add a third book between duplicity and immunity before James officially moves to New York because I have a funny feeling that the books where James is in New York might actually be a different series. For marketing purposes I could sell Missing Duplicity and Book 3 as an ebook omnibus and paperback box set as a teaser for the byline series which features James Lond living in New York. In the original file for the idea I estimated that the book would be another novella with a similar length to Missing but I'm not great at writing short pieces so it may end up being a short novel. Currently the story has a long title and I'm not sure how it will fit on the cover of an ebook and it's not in line with the one word title theme that I've set up for the series but I like the long title. Despite my love of the first title 
thought I will need to come up with a new one that's just so it looks like it fits in with the series. I started off by adding ideas for scenes and plot points to the initial premise of the book in Evernote. In order to help me generate ideas, I searched for writing prompts online. Eventually, I used Rory's story cubes to inspire locations, literary devices, and plot points within the story. This is the second time that I've used the cubes to help inspire a story. The first time was with The Candidate. Rory's story cube comes as a base game with nine dice that you can use on its own, but I have a plethora of expansion packs. To add an expansion pack to the base game, you need to remove three random dice from the original pack and replace them with the expansion pack dice. After rolling the dice, I then interpreted their meaning and how I could use this in the story. For example, out of the nine dice, three of them were a cell phone, a tree, and a file. With the cell phone, I decided that this represented an unexpected phone call. For some reason, the dice with the tree reminded me of Hyde Park. Perhaps the reason behind that is pandemic related and I used to work near Hyde Park and I miss being able to walk around the park or any park to be precise. Because I'm a mystery author I decided the file contains some sort of top secret information. Putting these three dice together I came up with this story idea. James Lund receives an unexpected phone call while on a train between Oxford and London. The caller asks him to meet in Hyde Park where he hands him a file. During the handover the caller gets murdered by a person from a distance who uses a crossbow. As the drama unfolds and James attends to the murder victim, the file goes missing. Naturally, the other six dice helped contribute to the story, but I wanted to give you a quick example of how I use the dice to generate a story idea. If you're interested in me going into greater detail about how I use the dice to create a story idea, let me know by commenting on the blog post or tweet me at writer A.D. Hay. After I finished interpreting the nine dice, I then fleshed out ideas I got for the first four scenes of the story. These scene ideas naturally evolved from me working with the dice. It's a classic example of how ideas lead to other ideas. Next, I created a Scrivener file based off my own mystery novel template. As I was transferring the information from Evernote to Scrivener, I came up with a couple more ideas for other scenes that occur later on in the story, and I decided to bring back another character from Missing that James doesn't like and force them to work together, just to add an extra dimension of conflict. I need to put James in a position where he couldn't walk away and let the police deal with it. He was now personally involved in the story. Moving forward, I plan on fleshing out the idea for book three into a fully developed storyline by the end of August. A couple of days later, I created the ebook cover in Photoshop and I shared it on Instagram. It was while I was creating the cover that I had an idea for the title for book three. The new title is short, fits in with the series and was from an idea generated by the Rory Story Cubes. I'll add the Instagram stories post over on the blog. A link to the blog post can be found in the show notes in your favorite podcasting app. And just for the sake of clarity, here are a few blog posts and tools that I use to write and revise this month. So that's Evernote, Scrivener and Rory Story Cubes. Links to these tools will be in the show notes in your favorite podcast app. Mm-hmm. 
So that's all of the tasks I completed in terms of writing, book marketing and email marketing. During the next month, I want to work on developing a writing habit and start working on my writing insecurities. The next episode will be another diary episode where I will continue to discuss my writing and book marketing endeavors. If you have any questions or have tips on book marketing that you would love to share with me, please come over to the blog post at authorpreneurpodcast.com forward slash BTS034 and share your thoughts in the comments section. Thank you for listening. A happy reading and writing, everybody. Thank you for listening to Amelia's Behind the Scenes Author Diary. You can find the episode show notes, back catalogue episodes, and lots more information at authorpreneurpodcast.com forward slash podcast. I'm your host, Amelia, and I'll see you in the next Behind the Scenes Author Diary episode.